0: Yeah, so I... I don't know what it is that made it stick that time I always say because it wasn't even the worst hangover it wasn't that I'd woken up and done something really really stupid it just felt like that was the kind of straw that broke the camel's back and I think you know such a big thing for me of actually keeping accountable was then telling people and then starting to document it online so I did about six months of drinking and that's when I said like I think I want to start talking about it because I think that's going to keep me accountable so I I just started talking about it online and I think that was so good because I know you guys are really big on community and for me finding other people was such a game changer like other people who were doing what I was doing because like you said it's going against the grain it can feel so isolating when you first stop drinking that you feel like you're the only person in the world who is like trying to do this and everyone else around you is just going out and getting hammered so actually connecting with other people and being like oh you feel the same way I do about drinking and meeting people that were my age as well it, it just that was the kicker for me I think
1: we love running it's something that we've done all our lives and a great way for when we feel stressed or feel tense or feel a little down going out for a run we find can really replenish our soul yeah when we travel we, that's what we end up doing we end up first thing we get off a plane or a car or whatever always want to go for a run like a pair of dogs just makes us feel good releases chemicals in our brain anyway back a few years ago a friend gave us a pair of shoes said these shoes are going to change your life lads and they have done they're barefoot shoes they're called vivo barefoot we've worn nothing but them for the last six years And I found them to be wonderful. They really have enhanced my foot strength. And subsequent research has shown that by wearing Vivo Barefoot shoes over in a matter of months, you'll increase your foot strength by 60%. The muscles in it actually build. There's a wide toe box so you can spread your your toes out, which will encourage more grip and you're less likely to develop um, bunions. And they have minimal soles. So that means two mil soles. So super, super low. And which means that you've got, it really helps with your alignment. You know, if you think about it, your feet are the foundation of your body, your feet, your knees sit on top of that, then your hips, then your spine, and then your head. So it all starts with your foundation with your feet. So when your feet are flat on the ground, it really, really helps. I've certainly found in myself, my feet are stronger. My alignment is better. I used to get pains in my knees from yoga, from doing the lotus position. I don't get them anymore. Anecdotal, I know, but... uh we, we are absolute believers in them. They're a work company. They're all about sustainability and doing their best. And we've partnered with them to give you a 15% discount. So if you're interested in trying Barefoot Shoes this year, we'd highly recommend you try Vivo. If you if use you, the code yeah. HAPPYPAIR15 at checkout. One really cool part is that there's no risk. They're often a 100-day return policy. So you can order them. Avail your 15% discount, and then 100 days later, go, nah, not for me, and return them. No questions asked. So- and they have full range for kids, for adults, for going to the office. for We wear the hiking boots on the farm all the time. They're great. They're like worker boots, and we run in them. We ran 50 kilometers there in their trail running shoes there a few months ago. And uh, yeah, they're great anyway. So, Happy Pair 15 is the code to use at checkout if you ever want to check them out. VivoBarefoot.com. Hello, and welcome to the Happy Pair Podcast. We're delighted you joined. We really, really are. And the Happy Pair Podcast, if you don't know, it's all about health, happiness, community. And really having conversations of meaning that really help benefit your life.
2: And um, so, this being the fourth of January, everyone's obviously had New Year's resolutions, yada yada. Which I always think is a bit like fluffy. And um, I remember last year, you guys were saying, "Oh, I'm going to meditate more." Blah blah blah. I don't think you actually did do that either. You did you?
1: Uh, I think we did. Yeah, yeah. Well, you no, I think your more. I think your one was to meditate more. My one was just to go a little slower but and have a bit more space.
2: I think the issue, yeah. Like <laughs> and I, I'm not saying
1: like fly to space, but it was more like <laughs> just to have a little bit more space in my life where I can reflect and ponder and write. I just think I find a life reflected on is so much more valuable than just being in the weeds.
2: Yeah, and it the moves time. slower because you're actually taking in what's happening. Yeah, yep. However, what I want to add to that or counteract with that is if you say that, You need to kind of measure it Because how is it measurable Maybe you did nothing before And then you did one day of it Or the whole day last year And then Or the whole year last year But that's like Is that good enough I started journaling Okay And
1: journaling obviously requires time So journaling That's a lovely time to reflect And I definitely do I find And maybe it's just How often do you
2: journal And do you have to do it A certain amount of time That's my question I don't beat myself over
1: He does it on the toilet in the morning Exactly Generally. But I also, sometimes I do it in the evening or when I'm waiting for Sab to come to bed, I'll write three pages and I'll just, you know.
2: But my point is, is that you did that book, Artist Way, right? And that made you journal at a certain time. 84 days. Yeah. And I think that's the key to actually having a New Year's resolution that is that you need to a formal accountability? Some yeah, degree you of. need to measure it. Like, be it, um, you know. So myself and Lucy, uh, who we work with, we did one together the other day as and as accountability towards each other, and we broke them down into. Oh, she it. was
1: saying you you like a long chat, yeah, like yeah, the way yeah, it, it was, was deep. I really oh, bet your goals.
2: Yeah, yeah, and we broke it down into you know family, friends, love, life, work, um, hobbies, and tangible things for each so you know for example one of yours could be um, oh, I, I really want to read more this year I want to read more okay how many books are you going to read? Two books Yeah, and that's actually something you can take off so we did loads of small things but we measured them Except
1: I found we used to do that we used to look at our, every aspect of our life and write like unachievable, unrealistic. Yeah, but that's unachievable. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> I'm not finished here now. We'd write all these m- big mad goals like me and Steve would and we'd journal them all day and like the same way Harold, like Harold asked, what were your goals last year? And I said, I've just got one goal. I want to like be nicer to myself or whatever it was. It was something like that and Harold would like, I've got 35. And it was like, I've got five for every aspect of my life. And it was like, oh my God, I used to do that. And like, and then I'd use as this whip to beat myself up over because There's just so much coming at you. Like, certainly when you've got young kids, it's very demanding that you aren't as autonomous as you are to read books or to go to the gym or do these other things. So
2: yeah, that's a classic happy pair twin thing, because you guys always go. I say, let's go for a 30 minute run. Steve's like, okay, well, like, let's race and (laughs) add in sprints at the end. So it's like instead of looking at all these things, like make them actually like, you know, for example, two books in a whole year. One of the books could be a picture book. Mm. It's far more. I read more two
1: <laughs> or I just read audio books. Uh, like that's that's what, how I, and yeah. I've probably listened to two books this I month. I don't think you can use the term. I read audio books. <laughs> that's. I, I think that's. For anyone listening, please, please, I consume, there you go. I consume, (laughs) there you go. And I think that is, but okay, on your point here that you were dealing with Lucy about goal setting and whatever, a 2018 study at North Carolina State University of more than 700 people found that participants in a weight loss study who enrolled with a buddy lost more weight than those who did it alone.
2: That is literally to my point. So that's why me and Lucy are accountability buddies for our New Year's resolutions because to your point with that... A
1: buddy, yeah. ninety five A buddy 95% more likely. On, be- on that topic, so anyone who's clicked on this um, podcast obviously is curious about alcohol and how alcohol affects your mental health and your relationship. And on that note, we are starting our... Alcohol-free challenge. It's literally starting on the 6th of January. This is a 28-day and it's about re-establishing your relationship in it's terms of It's not about alcohol. giving up. It's not about like, this is the last drink I'm ever going to have. It's just taking 28 days to take a break, to actually question how alcohol affects your and a bit overall like, well-being a bit like Sarah said there is that like you need a structure you need some kind of structure and a bit like me I've started journaling this year and it was because I had a structure to get me started on it that kind of held me accountable and I had Sam checking up on me so I did have an accountability buddy so the whole idea with this 28 day challenge it's on our app our membership app where you've got for the full year you've got access to all our courses the community recipes and support that is supporting you to sustain this lifestyle so um, we're doing a, on, a, on the topic of uh, of having a buddy we're doing a buy one get one free until the 6th of January or until the 5th of January, so you could sign up now and get one to give to a friend, and then you've got two you to do it. So, do and check. And then that we out. also have an alcohol free challenge starting later in the month, isn't it? No, there was and one in on the nine. third and one in the sixth. One in the sixth, okay. Nice try, sixth. though, Steve.
2: Uh, but you, if you have uh, get access to our app, you can still have access to the content of the alcohol yeah. free Yeah, you all just year probably round. won't
1: start it with everyone else, but you, yeah. can, act, you can do the course uh, and as you'll thing. discover, like in the conversation with Millie, just the importance of community and having an environment that supports you. And the whole idea with the, our app is to have a digital environment to support you to be yeah. healthier and happier, yeah. and
2: sometimes. Sometimes the idea is like, okay, I'll do it. I'll just stop drinking. But it's actually to just stop is harder than we think. And what the course does is it gives you. Um, the more you
1: find the like-minded people and the support, and you can see the challenges that you think you're the only one having these challenges. That oh my god, I'm so boring because I give up alcohol. What do I actually do on a Friday night? Like I save all my money so I can go drinking on a Friday and Saturday. Night. What do How I? How do, do you do go like, on a date without alcohol? How <gasps> do you meet someone yeah. like I don't? If I hang out with my friends, we're just going to go drinking. Like it, the, all these things which you think are only unique problems to you everyone who's kind of given up drink for a period has had to deal with these so together there's so much more you know if you want to go far if you want to go quick go alone if you want to go far go together that's an old proverb I do think that applies to loads of things
2: well anyway without further ado shall we give them yeah
1: so ladies and gentlemen we'll give you the wonderful Millie Gooch Millie is someone that she goes into her story so I don't need to get into that but she's a wonderful voice for Anyone who's considering their relationship with Alcon, anyone who wants to have more confidence, have more integrity and to improve their mental health. She is powerful. You're going to enjoy this one.
2: And she's the founder of Sober Girl Society.
1: Yeah, which is wonderful. She'll get into the Yeah. And she's written a wonderful book called Sober Girl Society Handbook. So uh, without further ado, we give you the wonderful Millie Gooch. Millie, this is great. We're really delighted to have you, genuinely. And on a subject we are so passionate about in every sense. I really, really do believe it. You're a great spokesperson
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, honestly. It's, it's a privilege. And there's yeah. not
1: many young female voices in this space. Like, there are some female voices, but there's very few young Women ones. voices. Yeah, well, female and like, women. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, typically, they're, they're a <laughs> bit interchangeable.
0: Yeah, no, there's not, actually. I think, especially, I started talking about this subject, like, five years ago when I was, like, 26. And at that point, there just, there wasn't anyone, really. I'm a bit older now, a bit older and wiser.
1: So that would mean that you are 31 now. Did I do my son's correct there? Maths. Great, good, good maths. Well. Okay, great. <laughs> I think we definitely have to start with. Can you give us a context? Okay, so for anyone listening, so Millie Gooch, thirty-one. Okay, now obviously the title of the podcast said about alcohol-free or whatever we, we choose to use it. What uh, tell us? Tell us your story. How did you get into this? Or what was you know? Because it's not something you're, you're going against modern society. Modern society, when we're struggling, when we have challenges, we typically are celebrations. It's always fueled. Alcohol is typically the center of most social endeavors, at least in the northern hemisphere. Um, For you to kind of discover living without a alcohol, you're very much going against the grain. And to to be a spokesperson for it as well is totally against the grain. How did this come about, Millie?
0: Yeah, so I mean that was my life for so long, alcohol was at the very centre of my world and I think that really started when I went to uni, so I think with our university culture there's just no option of you not drinking or at least that's how you're kind of made to feel when you get there, so I kind of, my heavy drinking really started at uni and I was a bit of a nothing drinker before, I'd obviously had drinks at family parties and whatnot but when I got to uni I was like launched into this nightlife culture and I worked in bars and I worked in clubs and it just, booze was just everywhere and I became quite a binge. Drinker, like that was my speciality, as it is most students. And binge meaning <laughs> so binge
1: me, and kind of just getting drunk one night and not drinking for a couple of nights, and then getting drunk again and
0: exactly yeah so look when I went to uni it was when Geordie Shore was at like the height of its popularity so it was very like that going out getting mortal culture and you know making a complete show of yourself and then just waking up the next morning and then being like oh it's fine don't worry so that was kind of how my drinking started really and then when I left uni it just didn't stop and I I went to work in media I worked in PR and I really started suffering from blackouts as a big thing for me so I would go out I wouldn't remember large portions of my night I, I would wake up and be like I don't know how I got home and that was quite scary for me but clearly not enough to deter me and at that point you know my drinking kind of looked like everyone else's people were saying you know you're not that bad you're fine I think we have this thing where people don't expect you to change your relationship with alcohol until you've hit this kind of like rock bottom moment but it was causing so many problems in my life like friendships finances and and then the real the big kicker for me was mental health so I would wake up after night out of drinking and just have you know that awful beer fear the worst anxiety ever and it just started to kind of permeate my everyday life so it would take like a good few days to recover from a night out of drinking and then I would just you know do a few days off and then it would get to the weekend again and I'd be like I know what I'm gonna do I'm, I'm gonna drink and and that was kind of it for yeah until I was 26 and that's when people started to get a bit concerned and I think they you know there was a few worried conversations from my mom etc and like kind one of, kind of spa- I went,
1: kind of spotting that alcohol you're Kind of relationship with alcohol was questionable, or that this was affecting your overall well being.
0: Yeah definitely because you know like I would come home and I, I wouldn't remember like how I'd gotten home and then I'd spend three days in bed and uh, you know at the time I was young so I was like living with my parents. They they kind of saw it quite obviously and my mum was always forever worried that I was going to you know like fall on a train track or just like anything that can happen when you're drinking. So I, I went on a really big night out when I was 26 and I woke up the next day and I couldn't remember any of my night. I felt like absolute shit if I can say that and then I just thought you know what I can't do this anymore and I kind of said to my friends oh I'm gonna stop drinking you know they all found it hilarious because I'd said I'm not drinking about a million times before and I stuck to it and And what, what, what
1: made that time different that you actually stuck to like what were the it's quite common when someone wakes up in the morning they go I'm never drinking again that was I just feel so crap like that's quite a normal reaction but to stick with it like when you say that is quite rare.
0: Yeah, so I... I don't know what it is that made it stick that time. I always say because it wasn't even the worst hangover. It wasn't that I'd woken up and done something really, really stupid. It just felt like that was the kind of straw that broke the camel's back. And I think you know, such a big thing for me of actually keeping accountable was then telling people and then starting to document it online. So I did about six months of drinking, and that's when I said like, I think I want to start talking about it because I think that's going to keep me accountable. So I, ju- I just started talking about it online, and I think that. Was so good because i know you guys are really big on community and for me finding other people was such a game changer like other people who were doing what i was doing because like you said it's going against the grain it can feel so isolating when you first stop drinking that you feel like you're the only person in the world who is like trying to do this and everyone else around you is just going out and getting hammered so actually connecting with other people and being like oh you feel the same way i do about drinking and meeting people that were my age as well it, it just that was the kicker for me i think
1: Because it's almost like because alcohol really, as Stephen said, it's at the center of so many celebrations and it's so entwined with social gatherings and meeting up that when you take it away, you almost feel like, oh, my God, I'm going to be that. I don't want to be that boring person. How do I socialize with my friends? Do I need to go get a whole lot of older, boring friends and we go take up boring hobbies or like it's, it's a whole there's almost like an identity crisis that comes with it. 100%
0: 100% I always say it's like going back to being like almost a newborn baby because you have to figure so much stuff out and it's like well, what do I actually like doing for fun and you know for me a lot of my personality was wrapped up in this like party girl persona I was always the one that people would call if they wanted a night out I was always the last first and last at the dance floor so it, it was like okay well who even am I if I don't have alcohol so it's like a real big thing of like figuring out who you are and what you like doing for fun so it's, it is quite a big thing
1: yeah, because I think alcohol can almost keep you on the surface of your of your relationship with yourself. And it's kind of a hidden, something that we've, like, we haven't drank for about 20 years now. And I say we, because both of us s- separately, but have, you know, changed our relationship with alcohol. But I think it's something that people don't think about is when you give up alcohol, it forces you more to, like, alcohol typically is a coping mechanism. When you're out, it kind of gives you Dutch courage, can give you that feeling of false confidence as a result, you can, you, you know, you can come up, be the character you want to be. And without alcohol, you're kind of nervous and a bit anxious. And typically without alcohol, you're forced to look at that nervousness and that anxiety and try to deal with it and find another kind of, so, how to socialize with it. And I wonder for you, was it alcohol that really offered you that to look inwards or to find that giving bit it more really. self-confidence or more, a better relationship with yourself ultimately?
0: Yeah, definitely. I always say, I think because I was relying on alcohol for so much and, and especially confidence, I never really grew that confidence my own. I always say it's like, it's synthetic confidence. You drink and then you feel great. But then the next day, once someone's taken that drink away from you, you're back to where you were, which in my case is, you know, like quite insecure, lacking in confidence. So actually, I've found, although not easy from the beginning, over time, I've really grown in confidence within myself because I can't rely on that substance anymore. So I have to go out and have to force myself to speak to people. And I have to be in those uncomfortable situations. And afterwards I'm like, oh, do you know what? Like that was fine. I can do that. And then you just kind of keep doing it. And the more kind of experiences you've got in your library of doing stuff without alcohol, the more confident you become. And you know that you can do other stuff.
1: It's so true. And have you found as a result that your your social circle has changed and your habits have changed and your pastimes have changed?
0: yeah I think a lot has changed but not like too drastically I think with my friends you know I had really honest conversations with them at the beginning and I was very fortunate they were really supportive so they all kind of said you know yeah actually we'll do new stuff we'll do fun things that you know aren't always in bars and clubs and they were quite receptive to that so the things we do now are definitely different but I'd say I've kind of got the same social circles which I'm I'm very lucky for because I know that a lot of people don't really have the same experience I know that they do have to change those but as well, I've got this kind of whole new circle of people that I've met through what I've been doing who are great and I can go on a night out with them and know that not one point alcohol is even going to be brought up. So yeah, it is, it is quite different, but it's also the same. It's just kind of the same, but better.
1: Yeah, because I love the concept that um, like willpower will get you so far, but we're such social creatures that we become the products of the people we spend most time with. So if your friends drink alcohol and you meet them to socialise in the pub, Like, it's only a matter of time before you're feeling crap, you're feeling insecure, that, you know, unless you're really, really, really disciplined, you're more likely to be the product of that environment and drink alcohol. Whereas what what, certainly what we found in our own experience 20 years ago when we gave up, we kind of had to change our friends group because all our friends were, we just socialized with drinking beer and that was going out and that was the whole social thing. So if we weren't doing that, we didn't really have anything else to do, like, because men... Certainly in our experience, that was what it was. So we, we kind of had to consciously cultivate another friend group because we, had, we hadn't just changed, given up alcohol, we had changed to a vegan diet. So we were complete weirdos. So, you know, th- that was our experience with it and that was easier. And I think it's that, that idea of, and that would be people's fear, anyone listening here who's going, okay, okay, yeah, maybe like, it's not a bad idea to maybe change my relationship with alcohol. Like, but do I need to be boring? Like, do I need to get all new friends? Or like, wh- how do you deal with that? Or what's your experience with that?
0: Yeah, I think the this, the boring thing always gets me. I think I've spent the last five years trying to like squash that that myth because I think for me, you know, my life I was just going out every weekend doing the same thing, not really remembering it, like going to the same dingy bars and clubs, being spending the whole weekend hungover. And now my life is so varied, and I do so many different things that I meet so many new people, and I find it hard to ever think that my life is boring because I just have so much time and like energy, and I do different. Hobbies and things like that, whereas my life is just on a hamster wheel. So I think I think the soberest boring thing is is just. It needs to be left in 2022. I think we will just get rid of that. But I think I think it is hard because I I think you're right in that there are some kind of gender differences as well. I think women can be more receptive to to doing other things and fun stuff. But I think sometimes it is harder for men because there is that like pub culture that it's not as acceptable to say to them, oh, do you just want to go for a coffee? And I, I think that's quite a difficult thing. So I think there needs to be a lot more men talking about this subject because currently there are. A lot of women talking about it, and I think it would be great next year if some if some sober men could come forward and start talking about their experiences. Oh, I
1: like that because maybe, maybe we see the world like through obviously we do see the world through men's eyes, but I I always think there's not that many women talking about it because I know lots of lots of men that talk about it. So I think this is wonderful. I love on your TikTok you're doing wholesome, fun activities just to show people that you can actually have fun outside of the pub and outside of being hungover, and to show that it's like, I watched whenever you're going to that inflatable um, place and it was just like, but it was just so simple that you, you framed it in the kind of concept of wholesome fun ideas, that fun doesn't have to be in the pub with your mates, getting drunk and, you know, talking. Going off. to the best nightclub or like now we're coming to New Year's Eve and it's like people will be going for looking for the perfect option for the most, you know, incredible New Year's Eve, whereas wholesome fun is not really on most people's agenda there. You know, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing. I, I never want to, like, I'm not preachy about people giving up drinking. I don't think we should all stop drinking. And I'm not trying to make people stop drinking. But I, I want to encourage people to get more mindful about their relationship or just understand their relationship with alcohol. And I think when you're doing that, you have to come from, like, an attractive place. Like, people want to be attracted to something else. So the wholesome fun idea was just to show people, like, actually, there is other stuff out there. You don't have to go out every single weekend. I'm not, I'm not doing TikToks that are really preachy and lecturing people to, like, Put down their drink. I'm just saying. Actually, if you want other stuff, and I think what I found as well is the more I kind of realised there was a world out there, the more I was you know like attracted to sobriety because I was like, this is great. I can do all this fun stuff rather than someone lecturing me of this is why you shouldn't drink. I think to come at it from the other perspective is is more helpful to people.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that that analogy of uh, like Shawnee is here with us, he always says you attract more. Uh, bees with honey than you do with vinegar and and I think that's exactly what you're talking about is being a lighthouse and an example because we all look at Instagram and social media and kind of you see oh my god people are out doing this and doing that whereas wholesome fun I think is really nice to try to attract people into other activities because I, I remember when when we had changed giving up alcohol it really was like now I look at our lives 20 years later and our days have shifted, like, whereas we wear night owls that used to spend lots of time partying, and it was all weekend associated, and it was kind of living for a Friday night. Oh my God, thank goodness, it's Friday night, we can go for a drink, and we can finally, like, be who these real versions of ourselves. Whereas I look at my life now, and it's kind of stacked, where almost like a lot of the fun can happen between 7 and noon, like 7am and noon. Like, that's where there can be so much endorphins and serotonin and chemicals released in our brain from swimming in the sea and running and... You know, there can be all sorts of just really fun things happening. And then I'm usually in bed by nine. So I'm I'm a boring yeah. old person now.
0: I'm with you. I'm yeah.
1: exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so what are, so Eden, could you talk about some of the wholesome fun activities which you do and what you found? And have you found that your life has shifted away from party girl? Obviously, you can still be party, you know, the party version of yourself. But have you found that you've, you're more regular, like your, your mental health is more consistent and your day is more consistent?
0: Yeah, mental health is so much better. And I think you kind of touched on it earlier when we said, you know, it, it when you take it away, it forces you to look inwards. And I think there is this misconception that you'll stop drinking and your mental health will be absolutely fantastic. But for me that wasn't necessarily the case. It was kind of like taking away the thing that I was using as almost a band-aid and then I was like, Okay, right now I need to actually deal with this. So I kind of went to therapy and tackled all those things. So like mental health is so much more consistent. And I just think I'm able to deal with those emotions. If I felt anxious and I'd been drinking and I was hung over they would just spiral whereas now I'm very good at being like okay this is happening I feel like this I need to go out and you know have a walk and I just feel like I have a bit more control over my emotions because when you when you put a substance in your body that it kind of changes that you don't necessarily have the full control that you want to so I think consistency has been such a big one for me I always say like when I was drinking my days would be like a two then a ten then a one then a nine whereas now I'd say every day is like at least a six or seven just like really consistent across Det var and I, you know I've discovered so many things with wholesome fun. I think when you stop drinking you you find the activities that you love doing and, and for me a lot of that was actually going back to things that I love drinking that I loved doing before drinking kind of became my default for fun so got back into hobbies that I used to do that I'd kind of neglected and but there, there's just so much out there now I think the world is starting to cater for this kind of like activity culture and people wanting to do more stuff than just bars and clubs so I mean there's so many things that are popping up these days inflatonation being just one of them there was like a million I get invited to so many fun stuff and I'm like I can't believe that's a thing like immersive experiences and there's just so much out there
1: that's a nice one I like that because i I I, always grown up you know so often a question was asked at least when we were younger like what are your hobbies and it's a question that's <laughs> kind of died down and it's seldomly asked and it's a question that I'll often ask and I come across like an old person, but it's like... Or people, people sometimes don't even know what you mean, like particularly when you ask a are hobbies. A hobby? I don't know what you mean by hobbies. You know, what do you do for fun? Like, what are your pastimes? Oh, okay. Well, Netflix and... Re- you know, that's it's yeah, funny yeah. to get those and yes. How how, a gen- how it's just changed over throughout the generations. But yeah, fascinating. In terms of other myths, so like a myth that we're regularly asked is, you know, fun and alcohol, they're an association. And like, what are the other myths that you're regularly kind of hit with? Because when people... Acknowledge that you're not drinking alcohol. Typically the one that we're often fed is like you're not fun, you know. How do you meet people? Because you're 26 and you you might be dating, you might be in a oh, you're 31, 31. sorry. You started when you were 26. Yeah, Yeah, you started when you were 26 (laughs) and you might have been dating. And like, how did you find dating while not having alcohol to give you Dutch courage, to help you through those awkward moments? And how do you meet people without having alcohol?
0: Yeah, that is definitely another myth because people say to me all the time, oh, I'd really love to stop drinking, but like I'm single at the moment, how would I do it? And I kind of thought, you know, everyone I speak to is going to think that's so boring, you're boring, but I actually found that people were so receptive to it. And actually I found alcohol-free dating like an absolute dream. I think I've done drunk dating and I've done alcohol-free dating. And I think when you're drinking, you can go on a date with someone and you can be like, wow, really fancy the massive spark. And then you meet them a couple of days later, maybe you're doing something different where you're sober. And you're like, we actually have nothing in common. Like, I think <laughs> the, the thing I, remember I realized. Dates like that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I think when I was kind of alcohol free dating, I could notice if there was like a spark quite instantly. And also, I think if someone is, is not for you, like, improving your life that is the type of person that probably later down the line you're going to start going to the gym and they'll be like why are you going to the gym like I think you want someone who is really happy for you to be the best version of yourself and and that's what I've I've found with alcohol free dating is I actually met it was like a it was like a filter really it just got rid of loads of people who probably wouldn't have been great for me later down the line because they weren't open-minded enough to to see it I think that that's probably one of the biggest things I learned but the confidence thing really came into it as well I think you go on your first sober day and you're like this is absolutely terrifying I definitely need a wine but once you've done it you're like do you know what that was okay I can do it again and then you know by, by the end I was just kind of nailing them out I was like yeah this is fine I can do this and you know i would go on different activities I, I didn't really like kind of sitting opposite people and just firing Having questions an interview- at them Yeah, because that that is hard. Even when you're drinking, that's hard just to sit opposite someone. So it kind of forced people to, I would say, they'd ask me if I wanted to go for a drink and I'd be like, yeah, of course, but just let you know I don't drink alcohol. And they'd they'd say, oh, okay, let's do something fun then. So, you know, I became like a pro at mini golf just through dating. (laughs) I think that, that, yeah, it, it was just great. I loved it.
1: Yeah, I think one of the keys is changing the context because so often to go in a social activity involves alcohol, involves restaurant, involves pub, might involve nightclub. And at least, like we'll often say that once we realised we could meet girls because that's what we were interested in when we were single, um, once we could meet them during the day, it was like, and without alcohol, it was like, this is sustainable. And I found I was, you were bringing your real self. You weren't bringing this faux confident, this kind of, at least for me, this kind of macho man type thing. It was like, no, I'm just kind of a flawed human too here. And instead of, I'd often ask, do you want to go for a walk? I thought that was just the most simple date. Let's go for a walk. And yeah, and, and if it's going well, it can be a long walk. And if it's going crap, it's like, yeah, I got to go. You know, there's ways out. I always thought it was a really, it was a nice, simple, democratic, inexpensive, low risk way to spend time with someone.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I always say in the most like cold way, it's actually more, is an efficient way to date because I would go on these dates when I was drinking would spend the whole night and I think when you're drinking as well you kind of feel a bit locked into it you're like well strap in I'm here now so you you do the date maybe spend a few days like recovering from it and you don't want to date for a bit whereas like you said if you go for a walk or something like that or a you coffee you could pack three like dates say, into an go? evening <laughs> yeah you could do a morning date and afternoon date I've got a friend who's single and he was like I've got a date tomorrow morning and then I've got one in the evening and I was like see this is the benefit of being sober you just like go on these dates and i think it's yeah you, i think you just know straight away when you like someone or if there is that chemistry when there's not alcohol involved if there's alcohol involved i think you can have chemistry with absolutely anyone
1: <laughs> that's yeah. a great angle for selling alcohol free living it's like you can pack in more dates <laughs>
0: yeah well, well you're I, packing more everything yeah, yeah yeah that's
1: yeah well well i would think ultimately it comes down to your relationship with yourself when i can i when i can reflect back to myself you know before when i used to drink and then after drinking Like, I think ultimately it's about having a better relationship with yourself and connecting more to the truer version of yourself, like the more authentic version of yourself. Because certainly when I think back to myself, I definitely did use it as a crutch. It was definitely a social crutch. It made me be the person who I thought I should be, who I thought my friends wanted me to be. Whereas there was this much kind of quieter, much more kind of scared version of myself, which was definitely the more authentic version of myself. And, and I just find that by giving it up and I'm not saying that people need to give it up indefinitely but for me and Steve we gave it up for two weeks and that two weeks ended up being 20 years and it's still been the case because we connected it somehow took away that that kind of diffuser or something that that filter and it made well, us kind also of Also it was an excuse, it gave you an excuse the following day oh sorry I was drunk, that's not really me whereas suddenly you were actually held accountable you didn't have this excuse, it's like no 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 I'm here and this is me
0: yeah, you can't get away with stuff anymore. You're, you have to be very like present and on it. But yeah, I think you said what you said is key. I think it, it helps you get in touch with yourself. I know so many people, and, and myself included. I used to think I was such an extra. I was like, I love going out, love being the centre of attention, love people. And actually, when I stopped drinking, I was like, I think I like sitting indoors. <laughs> so, I think you just you realise stuff about yourself that actually you, maybe you were trying to be that person because you thought that's what people wanted and you thought that's how people liked you and I always felt this pressure, like, oh, I have to be drinking Millie, I have to be fun Millie, I have to be the one getting the party going, otherwise people won't like me, and then I think, again, that's another myth, when I stopped drinking, people are like, oh, God, we're so glad you stopped drinking, and I was like, oh, but I thought, I thought you really liked that Millie, they're like, yeah, we do, but we, we like this Millie more, because it's like the actual Millie, so I think that was that was a big thing for me, is realising I didn't always have to, like, show up and be the centre of attention and be the one, you know, leading the charge.
1: Yeah, because I think it can uh, it can fuel that kind of bigger version of yourself, if you know what I mean. Whereas I think we connect more through our insecurities and our flaws, and I don't really feel that well. Whereas when you don't feel well and you drink alcohol, it sometimes masks it because you become that inflated version of yourself. Whereas I think it's easier to connect with people when you go, no, I don't really feel great. You know, I feel a little sad or I feel a little heavy and people are more like, oh, wow tell me more or whatever and then you can have more authentic real conversations whereas if you go out and you're feeling crap and you drink beer and then suddenly you feel better then the you know, you're on talking about other stuff, so.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what so many of us does. We uh, do. We just use it as like a coping mechanism and then we don't deal with those things. So it's not making anyone's mental health better. If you've actually got a problem, you go out, you just drink and you go, it will be fine. And you don't actually deal with it. I think there's a, I think it's Chloe Telford says a great thing about, it's like control underwear, like Spanx, you can keep like stuffing it in, but at one point it's like gonna come out. And I think that's, that is what happens with a lot of people. They will drink, they will push, their their emotions down and they keep pushing and then one day it will just like erupt. So if we're not dealing with these kind of feelings as they come up, we're just being like, you know, it's fine, I'll just go out, I'll get pissed. And and it doesn't, it doesn't help the situation. It just stops you thinking about it for a little while and then you have to deal with it in the morning while you're hungover and feeling sick.
1: Yeah. So, so for anyone listening here, one of the things which I certainly get from it, and I guess it's been so long for us that I, I often don't for, reflect on it, but it seems like that it almost, you connect, one of the big benefits is connecting with the more authentic version of yourself. And there is an element of having to face, like there is an element, a period of discomfort where you would have usually been going out on a Friday night or a Saturday night, or you might have had a glass of wine every evening to relax. And now you've got to kind of look in the mirror and go, okay, well, what makes, what do I like to do? What actually do I like to do? What do I want to spend my money on if I'm not spending it on a bottle of wine or going out to a nightclub? Like, what actually makes me happy? And you've got to answer these questions, which are sometimes difficult, like, because, you know, society almost makes out that you should know what you like. You know, you're 25, you're 30, you're 40. You should know what you like. Like, you should know yourself at this stage. Whereas I think we're all fumbling along doing our best in this game called life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just think a lot of us don't feel like we have a choice when it comes to drinking. It just, it's automatically something that we do. And, you know, we were saying it's tied into every celebration, but it's also tied into every commiseration. You know, if you're at a funeral and you raise a glass to someone or you're heartbroken, your friends will say, come out, you know, let's go drinking. It's tied into absolutely everything. So there's almost that element of like, oh, well, it's just something that we do. It's its as, as much as eating as it is. You know, I think it, people just get in that cycle of never thinking that actually there is an option to not drink. I think I used to feel that at times. I was like, well, I couldn't not drink because, you know, what would I do? What you know, Everyone else drinks. It, it can really feel like there's just no other option.
1: Yes. Yeah, and you a started a society. You're, you're a sober girl. Sober society. And it's largely aimed for girls, isn't it? Can you tell yeah, us about that? So and and did you start exciting. it largely to, to kind of support others through this journey, at least, or even to at least question their relationship with alcohol?
0: Yeah, so I started in two thousand eighteen, and you know when I started it, it was it was from a place of helping other people. But in a way, it was also a bit of a selfish project because I needed to meet other people as much as I felt like other people needed to meet other people. Because I wanted to make friends and I wanted to find other people who you know wanted to do fun things. And my friends were so supportive. But I always say it's a bit like being the single one when like all your friends are married. They can be really really supportive, but they just don't get it. So when they're kind of like saying things like, oh worry about it it'll be fine you're like okay but you don't get it so I wanted to like meet other people so I started Sober Girl Society just thinking you know maybe 10 of us can chat about alcohol-free wine or give each other advice on sober dating and then it just escalated and I never thought it was going to be my job I just thought it was going to be like a fun little Instagram page that that I started because I'd seen really great kind of communities online you know centered around diet culture or or veganism but there, there just wasn't anything for kind of especially young women talking about not drinking. So I thought, oh, you know, I know how to use Instagram. So I set it up and it just snowballed. So now we run events across the country. So we do loads of fun stuff as well. It's not not like you come and sit in a room and you have to talk about, you know, your deepest, darkest, drunkest stories. We... We try and tackle the problems that, that people face when they come to not drinking. So like a big one, people said, oh, I could never go sober because I could never get on a dance floor without a drink. So we were like, OK, that's cool. We can tackle that. So we started running like dance classes where people can come and learn how to be confident. And we do like bottomless, boozeless brunches. And we just want to do like all the fun stuff, really. So it's not, it's not a recovery program, but it, there's loads of tips and resources. But it's mainly a community for women who don't drink.
1: That's amazing. It's so cool. And do you find it's it spans all ages or is it typically a demographic of 25 to 40-year-old women?
0: Yeah, I think that is probably typically our demographic, especially when it comes to coming to meetups. But in terms of who follows the page and who interacts, it is from, you know, people who are 17 to people who are like 80, it, it goes across and it, it, there's also so many reasons why people don't drink. So it's not just for people who have, you know, given up drinking because their drinking was getting bad it's people who aren't drinking because they're on medication or because they're having surgery or they've never been drinkers maybe they don't drink for religious reasons like we have a whole host of of people who don't drink and I also say like, it's not just for people who don't drink it's also for people who want to drink more mindfully whether that's like you know cutting down taking a few weeks off doing dry January because I think it's important that people can feel included and can get the benefits of the resources without having to declare that they're going completely teetotal you know we're not militant about people coming to the events who maybe still have the odd drink but if they want to do fun stuff that doesn't revolve around drinking and they want to meet other people who don't just want to go out every weekend and get completely hammered then they can come along
1: Brilliant and what's it called again?
0: Sober Girl Society Sober
1: Girl Society and it kind of runs largely off the Instagram page and then you do have a website with all the events and whatnot.
0: Yeah, so Instagram mainly, and then we have the website, and then we have the Sober Girl Society handbook, which is the book that I wrote, which came out in Jan 2021. So it's like a bible of everything that I know about not drinking.
1: She's amazing. I want to read that.
0: Like, I'll send you a copy. Yeah, I'd
1: love to read it. Genuinely, I think it's wonderful because you remind me of a good friend of ours, Andy Ramage. He's uh, he's done the same. He he started one year no beer, um, and he's been a great voice. More like it's been definitely attracted more to men, but I'm sure there's lots of women. But you know, as yours is very female and women focused, his was um, more general, but definitely more men, you know, one year, no beer, beer is more men drink more beers. So yeah. Yeah. But we can can totally relate to the, that selfish reason of starting something for, to make it easier for your own life. Like ultimately why we started the happy pair, we wanted to change society, but we also wanted to change society. So it supported us. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's altruistic, but it's also highly selfish as well. And it's ultimately (laughs) like that. We all become a product of our environment and the more we can shape our environment so that it'll support the healthy choice or the choice that we want, the easier it is to make it sustainable.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, there's so much stuff that I wanted to do as well in terms of, like, I would go into a pub five years ago and I would be treated kind of like a second-class customer because, you know, I, I I could only have, like, a Diet Coke, but I really wanted to change that that pubs offered great non-alcoholic options so that I could go in and you know buy a couple of non-alcoholic beers and so I kind of used the platform for that and encouraging change around that and trying to change this mindset that that sobriety isn't boring so that then I also get less people saying oh god that must be so boring so yeah it is it hopefully changes it to help make other people's lives better but it also means that I don't get all the negative comments that I used to
1: Yeah, and it sounds like I guess you live in a bubble now because obviously if you're kind of a spokesperson for this, you're probably surrounding yourself with people and hearing living in your own echo chamber. So you think the whole world is changing. Oh my goodness, there's so many non-drinkers or whatever. And I just wondered... Um, with, with the younger generation with the kind of people who are teenagers and early 20s and are coming up young women kind of and are reaching the same kind of pressures of going social drinking and the same issues which you might have had with it do you find that there is a shift and there is a slight change or are you too biased to even comment on that because you're living in a, in, a, in an echo chamber <sighs>
0: I think there definitely is a shift. And I only really know this because if I do interviews for certain papers that have different demographics, the comments I receive vary greatly. So when I do a great podcast that has, you know, a millennial Gen Z audience, people are really receptive. People are great about it. You know, if I do an article, I won't say what paper, but if I do one for a paper and, I, and it gets posted on Twitter, I will get people like, oh, these bloody snowflakes, yada, yada, yada. That, So I, I, I know completely that it's, it's not changed for everyone. But I do think there's definitely a shift in terms of gen z and millennials i think just because as well that the kind of mental health conversation is a lot wider now and people talk about it more and people are more open about talking about their feelings i think over the last few years alcohol is kind of coming into that equation and people are, are talking about things that will affect their mental health so i do think people are much more receptive and i think even the attitudes have changed over the last few years like going back to dating when i first started dating I've had, like, two stints of sober dating over the last five years, and the first stint was when I was very newly sober, and, and I had a lot more negative criticism then, whereas when I dated about a year ago, a lot more people were open to it, and it was almost, like, six degrees of separation of someone who knew someone sober, so I would say, oh, I don't drink, and they'd be like, oh, that's cool, my like older brother doesn't drink, or they would kind of know someone, or they'd be like, oh, I've tried this great non-alcoholic beer, I think... I think attitudes are definitely shifting, but I'm I'm under no illusion that we still have a long way to go. I
1: I wonder if that was, you know, because when you're a year into it, you might feel insecure and people can almost pick up on it. You know the way, and I just think of it myself that when you're, like when you were, when we first went vegan, I remember you wouldn't tell anyone. And if they brought it up, it was like, oh, here we go. We got to have this conversation. Whereas, Over the last kind of 10 years, I'd say, if it's brought up, it's like, I don't care less. There's no, like, there's no poison or no little niggles within me. So therefore the conversation moves on and it can almost reflect my energy. Kind of a better analogy, like if you walk down down the street with no clothes on and you are fully comforting yourself, people won't really point at you that much. Whereas if you're awkward, everyone will see and point at you and you'll be really insecure. So it's like... I wonder was, I think what you were getting at. Yeah, I was only just having fun. It was like, it was just that kind of. As as we become more comfortable with what we're doing, suddenly people don't, are, are equally as comfortable. So people can pick up on your insecurities around certain things.
0: No, I fully agree. I think when I first stopped drinking, I would almost, like, apologise for the fact that I wasn't drinking. So someone would offer me a drink and I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, like, I'm not drinking at the moment and give some, like, garbled explanation about why I wasn't drinking. Whereas now if someone offers it to me, I would just say, oh, I don't drink, thanks. Like, it, I'm so much more confident in it. And I always say, like, at the beginning, I think people could see me wavering. Like, when you don't say it with confidence, people are like, oh, OK, I think I can get a debend And, you know, even if you say, oh, I'm on antibiotics, they be like, oh, what antibiotics? Tell me. I bet you can drink on them. And, you know, people think that they can get you. Whereas now, because my answer is just like, no, you can try as much as you want, but I'm not going to have a drink. And people are like, oh, I'm bored of this conversation now. I'm going to go and annoy someone else. So I think the more you, you are kind of confident in it and own it, the, the easier it is, which, which is easier said than done. But I think, again, it comes with practice.
1: There's one yeah. conversation that I think anyone who's given up alcohol can uh can certainly empathize with is that one where you're kind of going you're in the pub and someone says oh what are you drinking you go oh no I'm grand I'm just have an orange juice and they go what are you not drinking and then you go no I'm not I'm just whatever and they go what And, and it kind of it almost like makes you feel like as you said a second class citizen and yeah that's that's a tough one anyway but I just wanted to comment on that but I wanted to ask you more about the mental health issue because I think that's so 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 current and I wondered like is alcohol like I know it's a what class of kind of substance is it and what is the effect in terms of our mental health and scientifically you probably know this and what is your experience as a you know that you find from other people certainly people part of your society
0: yeah so alcohol is a depressant whereby it, it depresses your central nervous system um and i think with with alcohol in my experience in mental health it was kind of twofold there was the direct cause that the alcohol was having on my mental health because you are putting a substance in your body and that does affect you know your brain chemistry and and all those kind of things if you look at it chemically it does induce anxiety the next day and, and and there is like a scientific kind of thing behind hangover anxiety but for me it was also indirect as well so the fact that I was going out every weekend and you know waking up at the weekend being completely hungover not wanting to look at my phone stressed because I'd spent so much money and my bank balance like not getting outside eating Domino's pizza for breakfast to try and like get rid of the hangover like there's all those kind of like indirects that come with it as well even like oh doing stupid things on nights out and you start to really beat yourself up and you're like oh god who is that person that comes out when I'm drinking and I think a lot of those things had an effect on my mental health as well and as well as the fact that I wasn't dealing with anything that I was actually going through I was just drinking instead so it's hard because it it comes at so many different angles you literally do have the chemical element that will affect your mental health but there is also all those like indirect things that come with drinking as well so it's kind of from all angles but I think the hard thing is that that these days they're saying it's very hard to untangle mental health and alcohol use because it's a bit chicken and egg so it's like kind of what came first so for me I really have to try and look back to pinpoint whether alcohol was causing my anxiety and then you know I was drinking more to get rid of that anxiety and it was making the anxiety worse and you can really get into these cycles so it's really hard to untangle, it's like okay well do you need to stop drinking first or do you need to tackle your mental health first so once that cycle begins of drinking to quell anxiety or, or to f- cheer up if you're feeling depressed but then it also making you anxious and depressed and then you kind of go through the cycle it, it's really hard to untangle so when, yeah, once you get into that cycle it, it's hard to know what is the cause and what is the effect
1: That's you, such a good one It's almost like alcohol stops you from doing the work it stops you from looking inside like it's a salve to keep you going in this adrenaline fueled, must be productive culture Everything that we is exist, awesome it, no. that, that we exist no. <laughs> in and, and it kind of stops it's a plaster that stops you looking inside and it's only when you take a break from it that you're actually forced to look at these symptoms such as anxiety such as insecurity such as which all of us have, all of us They're have, but the more condition. comfortable you can get and the more accepting of them, the less kind of they rule your life, really. So, so down to yeah. practical things, Millie, because this is something that you do day in, day out, like for someone listening to go, Millie, that sounds cool. I'm curious about this. What would you recommend for someone just that's even curious to say go on an alcohol free date? What, have you, what are things that you found that made it more successful rather than less successful?
0: Yeah so in terms of dating I would always tell people up front because I think there would be nothing worse for me than worrying On the whole lead up to the date about oh god, what are they gonna think when I tell them I don't drink? What am I gonna do when they ask me what I'm drinking? I think if you tell people up front, if they're not okay about it, that's fine. That means you don't go on that date. And then I think you if they are really cool about it, you can go into that date being really relaxed, kind of knowing, all right, they know that about me, that's fine, we can kind of move on from that. And then also you don't have to have like a really big conversation around it on the date. So I would always tell people first, don't wait until the date, because you'll just be stressing. And if you get on the date and they are weird about it, you know, it's just not going to be fun for either of you. Um, I think a lot of the dating apps make it a bit easier now where you can kind of put a little badge that says I don't drink or maybe if you want to put it in your profile. Um, I think avoiding Anyone who every single picture of theirs is them out drinking or in a club, I think, try and look for someone who not necessarily is a non drinker, but maybe has similar lifestyle as you who, you know, like goes out on hikes or likes walking or things like that, or maybe ask those questions beforehand. I think an activity day is definitely the one. I think it, it's so much easier to like go on a, a mini golf date or something and actually have something you really like are starting into mini golf, aren't you? straight <laughs> away. I love a bit of mini golf. <laughs> Although I would say I've not improved. Uh, I would have thought all that practice would have made me really good but I don't well, think yet. <laughs> well we
1: went, I went with my daughters, I went with my daughter and my wife a couple of weekends ago and my, like and I, I used to play semi, I was, like we were really good at golf, we were nearly played off scratch and so I was telling the kids, oh I can't wait, I'm going to beat you so, whatever. And my, my daughter afterwards said, Well, I think it's fifty percent skill and fifty percent luck. And I won the first game and my wife who's never played golf at all, she beat me in the second game. So it's like, Jeez. You know, so I think mini golf is
0: She's correct. Anyway, yeah. we yeah.
1: interrupted you. Sorry, Millie. <laughs> no, no, I mean
0: they're the big ones. I think maybe go you somewhere that you know has good alcohol free options, like maybe if you want to kind of dictate where the goal is, because I think for me going on a date and then the only thing I can have is like Diet Coke in a pint glass like it doesn't really make you feel very sexy so you know go somewhere that's got great alcohol free cocktails that you can have so that you can celebrate like go somewhere that you feel comfortable and I think have an exit strategy because I think if, if it is too much you always need you know like the friend to ring you to say that they, you, they need you urgently so I love yeah, that exit, exit strategy is <laughs> a great
1: one <laughs> yeah. and and, yeah. and moving moving even away from dating and somebody's listened to this and gone okay Millie I love what you're saying that mental health bit that I just that rings so true to me like how would you recommend because you must deal with this day in and day that people are going right I'm curious it's now it's coming into Christmas January is the perfect time obviously how would you recommend for someone to start like what are the basic simple steps
0: yeah, I think the first thing is to get mindful about your relationship with alcohol because I think, like we've said, it is just a default. Like a lot of us just do it because everyone else does, or it's something that we've always done. But I don't think you can change your relationship with alcohol until you actually understand why it is that you drink. So maybe you drink for confidence. Maybe you drink because you think that everyone wants you to be this kind of party person. Maybe you drink because you don't know how to socialize with other people. And then, really, they're the things that you kind of need to start looking at. So if you are drinking, for confidence okay what can you do to kind of grow that confidence maybe you need to go to talks or seminars or maybe you need to read books on confidence or maybe you need to go to therapy like I think it's interrogating those things is for me the first step I think if you don't understand why you drink and there is a great quote I think it's Professor David Nutt who says that people drink for two reasons which is to increase pleasure or decrease pain so for increasing pleasure it's like oh because people are drinking for fun because they enjoy it and if you're decreasing pain it's because you drink for stress or you drink because you're overwhelmed so just figuring out why it is that you drink I think is is the first place to look at and asking the classic questions of like who what where like are there places that you that you end up drinking more than you wanted to are there people that maybe trigger you you know like this christmas is there one auntie who's always asking you why you're not married yet and that makes you want to go down a bottle of rose like what what are those things that kind of trigger you to want to drink i think understanding that is is the place to start there, that's,
1: uh, that's a great one, though, that auntie that asks you that question, like, are you or just, or someone that asks you that question that is going to bring up anxiety, and you drink to avoid the pain of that anxiety. I think uh, that's David Nutt's comment. And, it, and if someone's starting and kind of going, okay, right, I'm curious about this, do you typically kind of say, okay, we'll try it for two weeks, or try it for a month, or what is the lead in, and, and should people kind of go, okay, I'm just doing it for two weeks, And you kind of give recommendations of going, well, like, if you normally go out on a Friday or Saturday night, you've got to kind of reflect on what are your hobbies? What are your pastimes? What do you want to do? You know, because you need to get pleasure from other things. If you were always living for a Friday or Saturday night, you need like, what are other, how do you deal with this when people ask you?
0: yeah i think people don't like to hear this but i always say 90 days i think is is the one because i think you know i'm a massive advocate for for things like dry january because i think anyone changing their relationship with alcohol even for a little bit is great but i think with things like that you might not encounter some of those milestones like if you're just doing it for a month you might say oh i'm not going to date for a month or i'm not going to go out for a month whereas if you if you do it for three months it's likely that you are going to have some of those kind of like social occasions maybe you've got a wedding and you know maybe you there will be a stressful week at work within that. I think 90 days for me is is a good time to experience a lot and really understand your relationship with alcohol. I think if you do 30 days, it's brilliant. And especially the physical effects of doing 30 days off are great. But I think if you really want to change your relationship with alcohol for good, I would say... Three months is is like the sticking point. I That's like that very, analogy because, really
1: like, we found we'll, like, we rerun a 28 day free alcohol course, which we're starting in January. And um, we did it last year with Andy. And we found that we never advertise it as give up alcohol. It's take a break just to question your relationship. Because so many people, Andy will often use this comment that many people are middle lane drinkers. They're, they don't drink excessively, at least in their own eyes, and they don't not drink. And they're just kind of happy in the middle and they never reflect on it. And it's only when they reflect on it, they realize, oh my God, it was really clouding my vision of allowing me to go deeper in terms of my relationship with life and my relationship with with myself.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's the thing is it's not just oh, you stop drinking for you know your physical health, which I think a lot of people think that it is. I think people think that I stopped drinking because I just wanted to be like really fit and healthy, and that wasn't really the case for me. I think it is such a great tool for getting to know yourself more, improving your mental health, getting a bit more clarity on like life and what you like doing. I think there's so much more to it than just like not drinking.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah. Is is sober hair a real thing?
0: Sober hair, apparently, uh, yeah. So um, it, basically, it's to do with like the mineral uptake. Alcohol like disrupts the process of like being able to uptake the minerals. So if you stop drinking, apparently your hair is supposed to get very luscious, which mm-hmm. as someone who bleaches their hair constantly, <laughs> I can't really attest to. But it is, it is meant to be a thing. But there's loads of, there's loads of kind of myths and also like a bit of proof in, in lots of things. I remember when I stopped drinking, so I've got blue eyes people would say to me oh your eyes look really really blue and I was like I think they're just like you know trying to give me a weird compliment and then when I looked into it there's this whole idea of like in Chinese medicine that your liver is connected to your eyes so obviously if your liver is like not clouded with loads of alcohol it's going to make your eyes look brighter and I was like oh maybe there actually is some truth in it and you know I read in a book that actually alcohol helps you tan better because something to do with alcohol and your your vitamin B again I thing is you need vitamin B to tan and it stops that process or something like that. Anyway, you tan better if you're not drinking. So when you're on holiday and you're on that 15th pina colada and you're not
1: getting tan, <laughs> that is why. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. So we got sober hair, we got tan better, better mental health, more authentic but, but I self. Think, I think the biggest thing is, and, uh, and it's often that people don't think about it. As you said, people think you give up alcohol because you want to get fit or you want to get healthy or you want to lose weight. But the, the real truth that we found and it sounds like you're very similar is that you end up having better mental health and you're more consistent and you have a better relationship with yourself which ultimately is how we experience the world yeah because probably alcohol tends to be that thing that steps in the way of you becoming a better father or writing that book or signing up for that triathlon because i'll do i'm just a bit hungover or i'm going out on friday night i don't want to sign up for this park on a saturday morning you know it can often be that one thing that steps in the way for you kind of realizing your actual dreams like you know we all have there's an inner six-year-old and each one of us that like maybe mine was to play for manchester united or whatever it might have been you're still working on it dave you're no gonna get that, there. that one that one was a, <laughs> that that one was really a childish dream but just to even try to start on the journey of these dreams and see if they're actual reality and sometimes alcohol can be an excuse it can get in the way or cloud the the actual process of actually starting on this journey and realizing showing up and seeing if it's gonna if it's a possibility or not
0: yeah, I always say I think now I'm the person that actually does what I said, like what I, I said that I was going to write a book for years and years and years. And I never even like put pen to paper and like I studied English. I'd always wanted to do it. And then when I stopped drinking, I was like I'm going to write a book. Like it's just for me alcohol was such a barrier to like you say all those things and and now I'm actually a, a person who is true to their word. And, and I think that that builds a lot of like trust with yourself. Like I used to really beat myself up because I always said I was going to do these things and I never did them because I was too pissed or too over Whereas now I actually say I'm going to do something and I and I do it. And I think like you were saying with the, uh, about being a better father and things like that. I don't just think it's your relationship with yourself. I think it's also your relationship with others. Like I'm such a better friend now. I was always that friend that would like turn up at my friend's baby shower and be like, where's the bar? And, and now I turn up and I'm like, can I help with anything? Like where's your nan? Does she need someone to speak to her? Like I'm, I'm just... I'm more present, I don't cancel plans because I'm hungover and I remember things and, you know, if my friend's got an important doctor's appointment, I'm not too hungover to remember to give her a call or it, it's just made me, I think, a better daughter, a better friend, a better everything, really.
1: That sense, class. And I guess it's integrity, you know, better integrity yeah. with yourself and they say integrity leads to confidence because therefore you can be a lot more consistent and, you know, you can rely and trust on yourself. So I think they're two massive ones, integrity, better self-integrity and better confidence, which I guess that's... Everyone wants that. Yeah, I want more of that. Yeah. Well, well, I guess everyone kind of goes, yeah, that sounds really nice. So, Yeah, it, that's similar. It really is. This is wonderful. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I think your work is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And for anyone listening to find out more about your Sober Girl Society, just online, go on Instagram. Sober Girl Society. And yeah. your book is the Instagram Sober Girl, Girl the Society.
0: Instagram the best place. Yeah, Instagram. The website, we've got a, a community blog on the website which has got loads of like helpful things, lots of blogs from other people who have stopped drinking. I think one thing I always wanted to do was make sure the community wasn't just my voice because there's so many different stories around why people give up alcohol and their alcohol-free journey. So there's loads of like blogs of, of different people. And even in the book, I made sure that I interviewed lots of different people. So there's lots of stories and perspectives from people who gave up alcohol for completely different reasons to why I did.
1: And you call the book The Cyber Girl Society as well?
0: It's called the Sober Girl Society Handbook. So Handbook. it's a very it. like practical manual. So it's, it's less, there is a lot about, you know, giving up drinking, but it's more how you can do it once you stop. So there's everything from like how you can do a sober festival to how you can do a sober wedding. Lots of tips on dating in there. It's obviously my specialist subject. I liked
1: your one about wearing a big hat. I liked your one when you're going out and you to deal with drunk people that you don't want to hang out, wear a big hat so they're kind yeah. of, you're, you're in their face or they can't yeah. get close to your face.
0: Yeah, see, COVID was a good one for that because you could be like, oh, don't get too close to me and people really kept their distance. Now that one's gone, it's like, okay, big hats are fine or pretending you're ill. If people get too close to me when they're drunk, I'm like, oh, I think I'm having down with something. Don't get too close.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a nice one. I'm sure COVID (laughs) probably helped kind of move things on a little bit because obviously, certainly in Ireland, the pubs were closed for, I think it was nearly a year and a half. Like there was no pubs or nightclubs. So I think it definitely did change how people had to socialise in certain circles anyway, because it was no public houses, you know?
0: Yeah, they, they, it's, it's funny because the, the pandemic kind of had a mixed uh, effect on people's drinking habits. So you either got people who... Kind of got really curious about not drinking. Were were only social drinkers, so therefore weren't really drinking at home. And and then actually thought, oh, maybe I don't need it altogether. But then you had this kind of other half, which was that people who had traditionally just been social drinkers started for the first time being at home drinkers. And we're still kind of seeing the knock on effects of that of people who had got into the habit of drinking at home and kind of still ha- like have those habits now, especially people who are still kind of working from home or doing you know half in the office, half at home. So. It, the pandemic had a really good effect on some people's relationship with alcohol, but for others it it kind of escalated it. So I think, yeah, we're still kind of seeing the, the effects of that really.
1: Wow. Yeah, it really is. It's great. Um, I think what you're doing is brilliant. I really do. And and last final question, final question. Do you see a difference? Obviously you work with women and that's kind of your, who you surround yourself with At, at a kind of macro level. Is it more like, is it, is, do women drink more than men or do men drink more than women at a complete macro level or is that very much dependent on experience. the country?
0: It well there is there is a sort of theory that women drink more from an emotional perspective so you know if they're stressed or they're heartbroken whereas men drink more from a social perspective because the lads are drinking and that is actually how they bond with their friends and how they communicate with their friends obviously that's very like a stereotype across the board and it obviously different like differs but I think that is where the the different challenges lie, I think. I think a lot of it is, you know, especially with women, we have this whole like mummy wine culture and, and, and this idea that, you know, to be a good parent, you should be drinking loads of gin because that's the only way that you get through motherhood. Whereas men have this kind of different culture, especially around things like sport and and not being able to open up to their friends unless they've had a drink. So I think there are two different kind of ways that we need to approach it and tackle it again obviously it's a sweeping generalization but there are definitely problems that i've noticed even just speaking to the people in my life of what they would find hard about not drinking
1: jeez i love it i love it it's brilliant you're a nice you're really answer. inspiring you really really are oh and, well,
0: thank you and final
1: thing any big events that you've got coming up which you'd like to tell anyone about anyone like they're obviously uk based are they they're all in-person uk yeah. events
0: all UK based. I do want to get to Ireland this year. Great, um, come join but, us for a swim. Yeah, and yeah, can, I would love. We can that. have some kombucha really on the beach that. or tea. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm Kamanu. obsessed by kombucha. I oh, drink great. far too much of it. I I'll love it. i loads of
1: it here. You could organise yeah. an event in Ireland. Uh, I know Andy did one. He he had a meet-up and they all went for a sunrise swim and came for porridge. I think he did two of them. So you could you could try if you've got members in Ireland, you could try something like that.
0: Yes. Okay. That's a deal. I'm coming down. But we've, we've got loads on this year. So yeah, we, we normally have a couple of events a month that uh, a lot of them are based in London and Manchester. That seems where we, we have quite a big audience, but we, we do them all over. We've done them in Bristol. We've done them in lots of different places. So the best place is just to look on the Instagram page. We have a link in the Bio that says where you can find all our events and we also run every saturday we have virtual calls as well so if people are in other parts of the country they can still join in and meet meet other like-minded women
1: brilliant Jeez, well done are fabulous thanks so much for taking the time to chat to us and oh, thank keep you up so your much, much needed me. work yeah really it's brilliant
0: oh thanks guys thank you
1: I really enjoyed this as you've probably realised and it's just so lovely to hear her voice on it and it's something which I take for granted because we haven't drank for 20 years but just it was such a reminder and it really just affirmed so much So my own feelings in terms of the benefits I got from giving up alcohol. And I think one of the unseen benefits of giving up alcohol or at least taking a break from it is improved mental health and improved consistency. I like that. Yeah. Well, integrity- instead of being a 1 or a 10 or a 2 or a 9 it was like Pretty much every day is a seven. Well, she talks about integrity and confidence. And those are two things which I don't know anyone out there that doesn't possibly want more integrity or confidence because they're like certainly confidence, the confidence to be yourself, the confidence to say no. And ironically, confidence without alcohol. People drink alcohol for, you know, courage. Yeah, beautiful. Um, So, yeah, if you enjoyed this, we've got our alcohol free challenge starting. We're doing two of them. We're starting one on the 3rd of January and starting one on the 6th of January. Why are you doing two, Dave? Uh two separate ones, just two separate cohorts because some people might be ready to join on the uh, at the start of January and others might want a little bit m- a little bit more space to finish off the cans in their fridge or whatever it is. And the whole idea is that everyone starts them together and we create this community that supports each other because as you heard there, community is so important to support you when taking a break from out. And it's literally at twenty-eight days. It's not about giving up, it's just about re-establishing a relationship and then seeing how you feel from there. So where too. do people find out more details? Um you get it on our app. It's all on our app where you get access to all our courses. You can join for a year or for a month, there's full, two different plans. And if this is before the 5th of January, we're doing a buy one, get one free. So you could join and get a friend to join. And if and you can in. sign up from the website, it's just better and it's easier for you. Yeah. So details on our website, the And thanks, Mel for joining for this. Millie's brilliant. Do check out um, her, her, work, her community. Book, I her think community. it's brilliant. I really think it's so important. Sober Girl Society handbook is the book or the Sober Girl Society on yeah. Instagram. So thanks for joining and wishing you a wonderful day, evening, morning, whenever it may be.